and welcome to the Live Point Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired by this message. What's up, family? Let's go. You guys ready? Let's go. If you got your Bibles, turn over to the book of 1 Peter in chapter 4. We're going to get there in just a second. Let me recap everybody and uh, tell you where we've been, where we're going, and what I believe the Lord is going to do with us. Uh, Thank you for being here. If you don't know me, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor here at LifePoint. Incredible privilege to serve you. We kicked off this series last week called The Usual Suspects. I know it's a Hollywood movie. That's not what this is about. The big idea behind this series is that probably for you, There are only a a handful of things that really keep you from catching your stride with the Lord, right? Most of you are like, you're here, so that's a testimony, right? You got to church today. That's a win, right? So you're doing some things right, but we need to just get on the pace that God has for us. We don't need to, you can't outrun him, one. People like said, I don't want to outrun God. Well, you can't outrun him. He's in tomorrow and in your next century, right? So you can't outrun him, um, but you can get off course a little bit. He never gets off course. We get off course, and we want to be right with him, moving at his voice and being so close to him that we don't misstep at all. But there are probably just a handful of things that keep you from really hearing and moving at his voice. That's my guess. And uh, yours probably don't look like mine. Maybe they do, maybe a couple of them. One of the things that we talked about last week to kick off the series was anger. How many of you were here last week? Were you able to apply some of that this week? I hope so. Hopefully you didn't ignore it. Information is one thing. Application is a whole nother thing, right? You can read the Word of God. You also need to apply the Word of God. You need to study to show yourself approved. All of that is wonderful. And this idea of anger, and I asked you the question last week, are Christ followers happier Right? Or less angry than non-Christ followers? And I believe the answer is yes. Not that we don't get angry. We, of course, get angry sometimes. Be angry and sin not, right? Don't let our emotions run the show. We have emotions. Emotions are God-given. We don't let them run the show in your life. Get control. Operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. One of those is self-control, right? So get control of yourself and and quit losing control with your anger. I want to shift just a little bit today to another topic that has plagued our world. It's the topic of anxiety. And we can call it stress. You can call it maybe derived from disappointment or frustration or concern about something. But what I've watched over the last 20 years is this thing just creep deeper and deeper and deeper. Now we have little kids running around talking about how, how much anxiety they have. And it's, it's halfway funny, but then it's not really funny at all. Why are our kids anxious? What are they anxious about? They don't, I mean, they don't pay any bills, right? They they just eat, essentially, and, you know, we take care of them. So there's not a whole lot going on unless we're not doing something right as their parents. I think a big deal for kids and the reason they have anxiety is because we have replaced God's word with the world's word. And we will let this replace this, and we will allow the voices that come through here replace the voice of God in their life. Kids will do whatever you let them do. If you let them talk back to you, they'll talk back. They'll probably eventually hit you. If you let them hit you when they're little, do you think they're going to stop when they're older? No, we don't let them do that. There's a reason that you're the parent. Parent your kids. And they say, no, that's my phone. You say, did you pay for the phone? You don't have a phone. That's my phone, by the way, right? This is my room. No, you don't have a room. That's my room. I pay the bills here. 
Right? This is, it's, it's okay to let them know this. And we've allowed these kids to try to just run the show in the house, and we got themselves in trouble. And of course, of course they have anxiety. They don't know how to deal with these things. They want to have all of the, the, the things of the world and all of this information coming them at light speed, and they're not able to do that. They don't have strong enough spiritual legs to do that. I don't think they have strong enough physical legs to hold all of those things up. And now we got little kids running around, I'm so anxious, and parents are just run and quick and, and do all the things that maybe we're just not supposed to do. Maybe we do some right. Thank God for that. Listen, let me say very, very clearly before I go any further, I'm not a doctor. I don't prescribe medicine. I don't want to prescribe medicine. But I believe that we serve a healing God. I believe that he'll reach down and touch your anxious heart, right, and that he will settle your spirit. When Jesus came and broke into the room with the disciples, what he said to them twice was, peace I give you, peace I leave with you. Why do you think he said, peace I give to you? Because he knew we would need it. He knew it would get more complex. It's not going to get easier. There's not going to be less stress. There's not going to be less information coming at us. So whatever you're dealing with, sadness, depression, we're just going to take a couple weeks to unpack, anxiety, nervousness in general, I don't believe that is God's plan for your life. I believe he wants you to operate in peace. Listen to some of these statistics before I get into Peter. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States, plaguing some 40 million adults. 40 million? Right? And by the way, I don't think that disappointment equals depression and anxiety. Somewhere along the line, we're just like, I didn't get a job, I'm depressed. No, that's disappointed. Disappointment is like, it happens. You cannot escape disappointment in life. But rise above that and say, okay, that was disappointing. That doesn't control the rest of my day or my week, right? I'm going to grab a hold. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to keep going. And God has a bigger plan if it's not that plan. This anxiety and depression and uh, people with anxiety disorder are, are, are three times to five times more likely to go to the doctor, six times more likely to be hospitalized for psychiatric disorders. You think that sounds like God's plan? Listen to these. I started thinking, like, what, so what, what are all these? Generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, social anxiety disorder, specific phobias, stress, obsessive-compulsive disorder, post-traumatic stress, major depressive disorder, persistent depressive disorder, and all these related illnesses, bipolar, eating disorder, headaches, irritable bowel syndrome, sleep disorder, substance abuse, adult, ADHD, all kinds of stuff. I don't even want to continue down the list, right? And then I looked at the treatments. Here's what the treatments were. Therapy, medication, complementary and alternative treatment, and listen to this one, transcranial magnetic stimulation. I don't know what transcranial magnetic stimulation is, but here's what I do know is that it can't give you the peace of God. It cannot give you the peace of God. The peace of God that passes all understanding, right? That's a gift from God for you. There's a way to get it. It's going to be on a video this week on Wednesday. But, but it's for you to operate with. God wants you to have it. You can't go to Walmart to get it. You can't go to the Florida Keys to get it. I can't give it to you. Your friends can't give it to you. Your small group can't give it to you. You have to get it from God himself. And thank God he's a, he's a dispenser of it, right? First Peter chapter 4, what we get is some 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus, the Christians are facing persecution. It happens. Jesus said it would happen. It's happening today. And by the way, high gas prices are not persecution. 
And you think, oh, which is, life is so hard. Well, most all of you, most of you have enough money to fill up your gas tank. And if that's your, your toughest plight in life this week, then you've done pretty well. And by the way, we still have some of the cheapest gas in the world. Just to let you know. Don't, don't forget that. I know I, I, don't, I have a truck, so I know. I know what it's like. It's painful, right? But that is not persecution. Uh, Jesus suffered greatly, and we'll see that in this passage. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, let's go. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. Oof. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. Man, I see this in two parts, right? The first part is like, okay, if the head of the church, if Jesus, right, the Son of God came from heaven, left a very comfortable heaven to come down here and live in, in, in this place, tempted as much as we are and always like we are, yet without sin, if he had to go through suffering as God, do you think you're excused from it? The answer is no, you're not excused from it. But something happens in the second part. If you are suffering, might be physical, might be mental, might be spiritual, might be financial, might be all of those things, might be some mental that leads you to have some physical stress. Maybe somebody's against you, maybe not. Maybe you're against yourself and you cause yourself some problems. But if you have suffered physically for Christ, not for yourself, but if you suffer for him, something happens. Something supernatural happens that you can actually be finished with sin. Now, I lived in China for four and a half years. It's a persecuted country. Some of my friends have been physically beat for the gospel. I personally don't know anything about that. My life has been very comfortable. I'm grateful for that. But there's something that happens there as I've watched them go, take my life. Literally, it's, it's the craziest thing when you watch people who've been physically hurt for the gospel, pray that God would use them or kill them because they know that if, if the enemy comes and takes their physical life, a hundred more will raise up and meet God because of that. There's something that happens with persecution. It weeds out. You either believe this or you don't. So listen to this. In your pain, wherever you're at, whatever you're suffering with today, know this, there was purpose behind it. But you've got to have the big vision of God in your life because vision gives purpose to pain. It will lead you, and you will help you understand. It's like, okay, I'm here, but this isn't the last place that I'm going to stay. I wouldn't do this physically. I wouldn't fall down on the ground and just lay there forever. That would be weird, wouldn't it? It would literally be weird if you just fell down today and just laid there for the rest of your life. But that happens spiritually to people. You might trip up. You might slip up and fall, and you just lay there for a month, two months, three months, a year. That's not the plan of God in your life. Listen to verse 2. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires. Oof. But you will be what? Huh. Up until this point, everything I thought about anxiety was negative. I had never thought about anxiety anxiousness or anxiety being a positive thing until I read this in a New Living Translation. Now, it says some different things in some other translations, but, but this what I preach out most of it. Listen, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. How many of you sprung up this morning like, woo, can't wait to serve Jesus today? Now, a lot of you did get up and go like, okay, praise God if you got up like that. How many of you guys are going to do that tomorrow, Monday? <laughs> 
It's a whole other thing. Monday, right? You got the Mondays. They're going to happen, right? But it's just, this is how it should be every day. I'm so anxious to where you're going to lead me. I don't know what comes my way, but I know you're going to be with me, right? That's the promise of God. Not that tomorrow would be easy and everybody would love you and traffic would be light and the gas prices would go down, but that he would be with you. That's the great promise of God. And so when we begin to understand that on the large, we got to be big vision people. Suffering is, is small vision. It's very, and, and sometimes it's so acute, right? It's just like, what is it? It's like just so much pain right there. The, the loss, the hurt, the doubt that comes upon us. And, and, and we have to be, see, there's a bigger purpose. God never allows anything to go to waste. Nothing. None of your pain, none of your suffering. So we look at this verse and we see things. The first thing I see is that we should no longer live in sin, right? And the second thing is that we should carefully Consider how we're going to live the rest of our lives. The rest of our lives should be lived in holiness and righteousness. Serving God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, with all of our soul. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. The problem is we don't do that. Most of the time, if we're not careful, society lives a very self-absorbed life. The Bible says no man hated his own flesh. I wake up in the morning, I eat, and then I eat again. And I eat again, and I eat again, many times a day, and that's how blessed we are, that we just eat whenever we want to, and it's incredible, and I thank God for that. But not even that, we end up chasing things. Again, we chase this. It's not just kids who chase social media. The, the richest people in the world cannot keep up with the changes. Jeff Bezos builds a boat. It's however big. Biggest boat in the world, right? It's just enormous. And here comes a Russian billionaire. What does he do? Builds a bigger boat, <laughs> right? And then this guy comes and he builds a bigger boat. And it's just, the, the target is always moving. That's why these guys will never be satisfied. And if you're not careful, and anybody have Jeff Bezos money in this place? If you do, I want to talk to you right after service. <laughs> no, none of you have that money. Not even close to it. So why in the world are we trying to keep up with those guys? Or anybody for that matter. It will only leave you feeling empty. Listen to this. Your anxiety could be the produce of a self-absorbed life. I'm not saying it is. I said it could be. It could be something that you're just chasing this and this and this. And if you can never hit something, isn't that aggravating? I want to, like, oh, there, oh, oh, there's the target. If that's it, and I know where the bullseye is, I can hit that. But if it's always moving and I can't hit it, man, that's frustrating. If you have employees or you work in a group or you manage people, you know that guidelines and expectations are very important on both sides. Because if you don't know what you're shooting at, how, is it, how do we know? Somebody's going to be let down. Somebody's going to be very aggravated by this. But there's something that comes over the top of us, certainly here in America, this, this materialism, right? This materialism that we just go after more and more and more and shiny and fresh and new. And, and it's like they just keep pumping it over and over and over again. But that's, that's not the call for our life. The call is not to have more. The call is to be Holy. Over and over again, we're talking about this, and I've told you, and I'm going to tell you probably every week from the rest of my life, the rest of my time here at LifePoint Church, we are called to be holy and to do righteous. That's the call. And some of you aren't going to like this as we get into this, but this is, this is the call. If, if 
The call is holiness, right? And if the focus on the world, I said, brings us stress, listen to this, I wrote this early this morning. If a focus on the world leads to stress and anxiety, then the doctrine of substitution is a fantastic argument for holiness. This is the doctrine of substitution is an argument for holiness that, my goodness, God left heaven to come down to be a substitute sacrifice for me? The least I could do is give him my life and be holy. That's the least that I could do. Yes or no? Are you guys, are you guys with me? The, the, the doctrine of substitution that that happened is a great argument for holiness. And if holiness is a complete focus on God and his kingdom, then I can derive, then I can say that a holy life is a life that is at a minimum less stress-filled and less anxiety-filled. Holy life. Because obedience always feels better. Disobedience feels wrong. It hurts. It's painful. Anytime you walk in disobedience, right, it's just like, oh, I don't know why I'm doing that. Uh, I just, it's just better. Uh, obedience is just better. Now, verse 3, he says something. You've had enough. You know, probably most of you said that this week. I've had enough. But look what it says after that. I've had enough in the past of evil things that godless people enjoy. Their immorality and their lust, their feasting and their drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols, the debauchery, the lust, the drunkenness, the lasciviousness, the behavior that does not honor God, the behavior opposite of holiness. That is what our world is living, the orgies, right? The sexual deviancy that comes over our society is, is taken over, right? And we're here, we're, we're here to stand against it. To preach the truth in, in the love of God, right? But it's here for us, and, and the exhortation has a strong, and should have a strong impact on our lives. As we look at this, it's a call. He says, of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of the wild and destructive things they do, so they slander you. Anybody had your friends cut you off because you talk about Jesus too much? Let me see your hands. Good. Good. Now, it's not good that they, they feel that way, but it's good for you for sharing the truth. And you've heard me say many times, if everybody likes you, you're not doing it right. Right? They didn't, Jesus was the son of God. They didn't like him very much. Right? So if you will share the truth, some people will receive it, and some people will hate you for it. People love or hate you for the truth, what? Give it to them either way. Verse 5 says, but you remember... But remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to receive or to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in spirit. We can look at this in a, in a few different ways, right? Maybe the martyrs. Maybe the martyrs are the ones who actually died for Jesus. Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. That would become a martyr that you would actually call to live for God, to live for him every single day in something so rich and powerful in our lives. But that is why the good news, it could be like also Noah. Noah was called, like to, to live a crazy call. Hey, build a boat in the middle of a drought. And eight people get on a boat, and they're responsible for replenishing the earth to be fruitful and, and multiply again. So we look at this, and these people are all destined to die like this, but now they live forever with God in the Spirit. That's, that's powerful. 
when I think about this and I, and I think about the anointing that comes on people as they live for Christ fully, like the power of God that rests on people like Noah, right? People like Moses, were they perfect? Absolutely not. We've been studying as a staff uh, through the book of Exodus and Genesis, and we came to the story of Moses, and Moses wasn't allowed. A great man, great leader, called by God, used by God in mighty, mighty ways, was not allowed to go into the promised land, was absolutely not perfect. God still used him, and he wants to use you too, right? Listen, verse 6, that is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. Listen to this again. Get this inside you. They were destined to die like all people. Now they live forever with God in spirit. That's, that's hard for us. It's hard for us to grasp just the depth of this verse, but listen to what Pastor E.B. Hill said, and I'm going to explain it after I read this quote. Today's message is titled, Twice Dead. Those who are born once die twice. Those who are born twice die once. That's a serious quote. What in the world does it mean? Right? Everybody in this room was born. Everybody in this room was born. You came out of your mother's canal into the world, kicking, screaming, and causing trouble all the way. That's you guys. <laughs> Me too. I'm part of that club. It's part of the process, right? Everybody born once dies twice. There's an opportunity for all of us to meet Jesus and to be born again. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But the people who, who, re, who reject that, who only say, I've only been born by my mom, I'm going to do this, those people die twice. The first is the physical death. When your breath, the last breath you breathe, you expire, you leave this world. It's a crazy process. It's hard. It's very, very hard. And then you go and you await the great judgment that is coming our way for everybody. Everybody's going to be there. And when you get there, you can't call on me. Jesus called Pastor Rich. He knows I was there once every six weeks. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. You can't do it. Hey, call my grandma. She prayed every day for me. No. It's you and him. And I can't worry about you because I'm going to be worried about me up there. Did I get it right? And there's a beautiful thing at that moment. It's either going to be like... Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Oh. Or, <laughs> well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of thy master. I can't wait for that either. It's going to be amazing. But something has to happen. Those who are born once die twice. They're going to get to the judgment. They're going to get a second death of judgment under that. But those who are born twice die once. What are you talking about? How, do you, how are you born again? Well, that's a great question that Nicodemus asked Jesus too. He said, what are you talking about, Jesus? How can I be born again? Can I just climb back inside of my mom and come back out again? No, Nicodemus, you simpleton. That's not what I'm talking about. You need a spiritual rebirth. But in order to be spiritually reborn, you have to die to yourself. So maybe, I was thinking about this heavy this week, maybe you feel anxious Maybe anxiety has riddled your life because you have failed to die completely to yourself. Maybe that guy, you, you know he's trouble, but you keep him on life support just in case they're having a party Saturday. That didn't sit well, did it? 
But just keep on life support, just, just in case you need to pump that dude with a shot of adrenaline, get his heart going, and we can come back out of retirement. What? You already know where that leads you. That's why you're here today. Nobody's thinking about getting hammered in here today. So what happens? We have failed to, to actually execute that guy. And the same one that you struggle with inside of you, I got that guy that lives inside of me too. And sometimes he tries to raise his ugly head and tries to run the show. He says, I'm here. And I say, no, you're not. And you got to take him out. You got to take him out quickly. You got to take him out. Got to die. Got to die. The end of the world is coming soon. Verse 7. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. If the idea that Jesus is coming back soon doesn't motivate you, I don't know what will. I don't know what will. If he didn't come back for another hundred years, that doesn't change our call. Doesn't change our, our mandate to be holy and to do righteous. But I believe he's coming back soon. And so verse 2 actually becomes like starts like starts picking up speed in my life now but but you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires or will you you get to decide but you'll be anxious to do the will of God remember remember when you were a kid and and you had a science project and you had the whole semester to do it? Remember that? How many of you like did diligent work and got it done early? There's a few of you, I think, right? Look at the rest of you. I mean, I'm with you guys. You had the whole semester to get it done and you wake up day of like, oh, <laughs> it's due today, today's the day. That is a horrible feeling. Let me see the teachers in the room. Where are my teachers at? Oh, Lord, you guys are like, see what's wrong with you? <laughs> God bless you guys. You need to get a raise. Yeah. We had a whole semester to work on this thing. There's a comedian. He talks about this. He says he'd run out in the backyard, grab a styrofoam cup, and throw some dirt in it. Stick a seed in there and a half a plant. Go running into class completely unprepared. Standing before the teacher. She's like, what's this? Cup of dirt. <laughs> Just give me an F and move on. It's so embarrassing, right? So embarrassing. You're sitting here today. You know, you know the assignment. Not only do you have your semester it's written on our heart since birth that there's a savior a chosenness to live for him it doesn't go away people like stiff arm and they're like oh you know, I don't know let me do my thing for a while I just gotta let me go over here and play and you know keep this guy on life support it's written on our heart there's a savior that unpreparedness that you felt to the science project it's probably the same unpreparedness you feel spiritually 
That's why you have anxiety. That's why. I believe he's coming back soon. It shouldn't be scary. The people who are scared, they ain't ready. And I may tell you something, you want to be standing there on the judgment day with a cup full of spiritual dirt. It's going to be a problem. It's going to be an eternal problem. Would you stand with me? That wrap up real quick. I'm going to move through some verses. Verse 8 says, The most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. He's not saying because you love each other in here that the sins will be covered. That's not what he's saying, but it's important to love each other. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. This is just the call. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Christ Jesus. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Listen, there's a a million what-ifs in life. We just lived through two years of a giant what-if. What if I get COVID? What if gas prices go to $7 a gallon? Then you'll fill your car up with $7 a gallon. So much of the problem is that we fail to answer the question, what if? If we would just answer it, then we would know the answer and we can just move on. Right? Why are we sitting here paralyzed by the what ifs? I want to leave you with two, two thoughts. Our, our, our lives are filled with what ifs. But let's switch the what ifs. What if we are living in the will of God? Doesn't mean everything's go goes perfectly, right? According to us, it goes perfectly according to him. What if we are living in the will of God, living in the shadow of the Almighty, under his care and protection? Then the what ifs will be eclipsed and we can live in the peace of God. Psalm 91, under the shadow, the wing of the Almighty will I abide. That's where, that's where I'm living. Does it mean it's not raining? No, it's raining. Oh, it's windy. There's a storm. Everybody goes through them, but I'm under here. I'm under here. And last thing I want to leave you with, then we're going to pray. Jesus had to suffer. Don't think you're, you've got excuse from it. It's not my prayer for you. My prayer is that you'll live in his will. But but listen to this. This is my own declaration. I will suffer what I must. If that's something I've got to carry, if that's my cross, if that's my cup, I'll take it. But I will not bear what I do not have to. I will not try to carry a load that is not mine to carry. I will not take a yoke from the world that is not mine. I will not take a lie from the devil. I will pick up the truth of Jesus Christ. I will pick up his cross and my cross, and I will follow him all the days of my life. Will it always be easy? No, but it will be worth it, church. It will be worth it. Would you bow your heads with me?
special day. Father, thank you for your presence in this room. We're keenly aware that you are with us today. Pray that you will enlarge our capacity, our understanding, to know that you are with us every day, every moment of every day. It's not by accident that we're in this room today. You knew this specific group of people would be here today. You knew that. And it is written on every one of our hearts that we need a Savior and that you are that Savior. Such a freedom in the room today. Such a hope. There's chains that some of you have been carrying for far too long. Far too long. Today's the day you put them down. Jesus has the key to unlock those shackles. The worry, the anxiety that has consumed you for far too long what-ifs that plague your life, that keep you paralyzed. Listen, that's not God's design for you. It came that you would have life and have it more abundantly. Father, I pray that you just flood the hearts of everyone in this room. Let a wave of grace crash into our mess away every wrong, every hurt, every doubt, every care, every concern, every frustration, every tension that doesn't belong to you, anything that is not for you. Thank you for tuning into today's podcast. If you want more information about LifePoint or want to get in contact with us, please visit us at www.lpc.is. We hope you have an awesome week. Grace and peace.